Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 92. 92, hard to believe. Lovely to have you with us. Um, Mark Hayes is going to be joining us from the Queen Surrogate Cup over in Adelaide uh, in a little while, but Ali Whitaker joins me in the studio to kick it all off with a bunch of stuff. Very eclectic mix of things we need to talk about today. <laughs> Al, how are you? I'm very well. How's your dog? Uh, it's still at the vet. This is an emotional subject for you. You do yeah. get emotional very easily. <laughs> are you going to be okay if I ask you about the don't dog? Don't make me that girl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I cry about animals. Don't yeah, worry about that. No, just not, mean, this is gender neutral. It's good to be. It's good to be back for it. Um, but yeah, so dog is uh, currently having MRIs and stuff like that, facial paralysis. So we're trying to work out what's going on with it. What, so what, what happened to the dog? It's just slowly been on the decline. Is really. it an old, little, little an old dog? Little called Lucy. Yeah, How she's nine, Lucy? but uh, you know. She should have a bit more. Yeah, she was pretty healthy until she wasn't healthy anymore. So just trying to get it, get it all checked out. Well, the Inside the Ropes family sends its love to Lucy. Every Thank single you. one of us who's listening to this right now is in Lucy's corner. So we wish Lucy all the very best. <laughs> Thank you. Well done for holding it together. <laughs> Briefly discussing Lucy's current state of affairs. I'm good. I'm well, good. where do we want to – can we start with Minji? Let's start with Minji Lee mm-hmm. because she is becoming a fascination to me. It's hard to be – in fact, no, it's not hard to be. It's impossible to be critical of Minji Lee at the moment. So good has she been for such a long period of time and her career is clearly in the ascent. But if you wanted to – lay something in front of her that is a bit of a hurdle for her to overcome, is it fair to suggest that she needs to start winning a bit more frequently given the number of times she puts herself in serious contention? Yes. I think that's... That's, Is that fair? And it's not to say, you know, it's easy to kind of be critical from the chair. It's not to say that she chokes. She actually doesn't choke. No. She she, she gets beaten. Well, she shot 300 in the final round this tournament. And... In all fairness, so this past weekend, so she had two runner-up finishes in a row on the LPGA, on the Asian swing, which are guaranteed big money, uh, which is great. She got pipped at the post. She had a putt to win, um, well, putt to get into a playoff last week in Thailand mm. and um, just left it a couple of rolls short, but again, did nothing wrong on that Sunday. This past Sunday, she got uh, beaten by Sung Hyun Park, um, who has now gone back to world number one. I should mention, with her runner-up finish last week, she went from number world number seven to world number three. Unbelievable! Which yeah. is fantastic. Which is, but that's it's actually unheard of that kind of jump with a runner-up finish inside the top ten. I can't remember. So why would that time. be the case? It's just accumulation of top ten, top fifteen, top twenty made cuts. Is that what? Is that what? How the system has spat this? It's, um, kind of result out. It's essentially it's a, it's kind of it's very complicated, but it's a it's a rolling tally. So it depends what events you drop mm. as well okay. off the yep. back end. 
um, is always almost no way to predict it. But I was expecting her to move to, from seven to five, which would have equaled her highest ever world ranking. Um, but instead went to number three. And she actually, last week, we caught her standing in front of the board that's got the world Rolex rankings trying to take a, trying to take a selfie. And oh, then really? she realised that she did, her phone had either, I think her phone had died at the time. And she said, can you take a picture that's to great. Kate, one of the ladies I was working with? That's and Kate awesome. so, said to her, you realise this board, it's not going to leave before the tournament starts. You can come back tomorrow. And she's just like, I'm so pumped. Uh, so yeah, she's yeah. in a really good state mentally, um, which is good. But I think it's going to be a big year for her. I think I've got, I'm going to use the word major. You did. You've just done it. You I've just done did it. it. You put it out there. Uh, and purely because it suits, it suits yeah. her game yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, she hits so many greens. She's got a lot of control of her golf ball from tee to green. It's just a question of whether or not the putts drop for her as to whether she wins most so of the time. So that's it. There's not, there's nothing missing. She, when she gets in contention, she doesn't stop going for it. She still attacks pins and she still, there's, she doesn't get in, she doesn't pl- play safe when she gets in to contention or anything. There's nothing, I'm just looking for a reason for why she hasn't turned some of these unbelievably good performances and she's outstanding. God, we're celebrating a magnificent rise and rise and rise. I'm just wondering whether there's something that she does on the back nine of Sundays that isn't in concert with what she's done in the previous 63 holes prior. It's a good question. I mean, I think there's nothing visible to us. Usually you can see if people get rattled, um, because we are so far inside the ropes with the TV that when mm. you're commentating on it, you notice like very small changes in tempo and that kind of thing. Because people at home actually really do have the best seat in the house mm. <laughs> in so many ways no when doubt. they're watching it on, no on TV. Um, for her, the, there's not really any big weakness. It's I think it's just whether or not it all comes together. You look at her year last year. She had 13 top 10s last year, mm. uh, including three runner-up finishes. And And I feel like it's kind of one of those – is this going to be another one of those years? She's already had two runner-up finishes. What's going to happen? So mm. um, It's not as if she's shooting bad scores either. She's not shooting seven under and the winner shooting 16 under. Like on the weekend, she puts together a score that's good enough to win. It's just that the winner shoots eight under in the last round and blows past it, which she probably does to just about anybody in the field when you're closing with a 63 or a 64, whatever it was that she posted. So, um, you know, she's... She's to be celebrated, and I'm. It's a if it's a, it's not a criticism at all. It's very much an observation and trying to wonder why the, the winds are proving a bit elusive. That, that's yeah. the only thing. I think know? the thing for her is that she keeps putting herself in contention, mm, which is amazing. she does that better than anyone mm. in the world. And and I had dinner with her last week, and it's kind of the first time that she's of an age where she and I are kind of starting to be equals, and she's not. She's not. Um, She's not being quite as sheltered by the people around she's her anymore. She's not a little, she's, girl. Not a little no, girl anymore. She's, yeah. she's yeah. really turning into a young woman yeah. and she's been noticeably better with the media in terms of making an effort. She's gone and said, all right, what do I need to do in interviews to give you guys better interviews? Good on and Good and on she's, she's actually really starting to develop and I'm looking forward to seeing what 2019 holds for her. Well, that was almost the best story of the week. Um, I think best story of the week status from an Australian perspective has to belong to Zach Murray, doesn't it? I mean, if you believe in karma and you put in, you'll get paid back. You know, he does what he does at the Vic Open. And we're not going to – I think he gets a pat on the back for realising the error of his way, going back, fessing up, and knowing that he was facing instant disqualification for signing the incorrect cut. That's what pros should do. So we're not going to, you know, sing from the rafters what a champion for doing it. But he did it. Two weeks later, he comes out and wins – 
the 100th version of the New Zealand Open, wire to wire, in his sixth start as a pro. In his sixth start as a pro, he's already missed a cut at his National Open, been disqualified, and had a win. I mean, this is this is a hell of a start to a career of a very, very exciting young player. It's, it's interesting. And a decent bloke. Oh, very much so. And I think it's it's kind of funny trying to work out of, you know, all of the rookies that come out on tour who are going to have immediate impact. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people thought that Zach would, but whether or not that comes into fruition is a different story. And and like you said, you know, six starters a pro, um, it's it's pretty unbelievable. And it wasn't, it was no slouch of a field. No, it was a good field. Yeah. A lot <laughs> like of winners was... <laughs> in that field. A lot, of go- a lot of good players nipping at his heels in the last round too. Yeah, I mean, for Zach... It's kind of like for most of those young boys, now they're trying to work out, A, what they can do to get themselves opportunities going forward, Mm. what they can play their way into. And I have to say, I think Aussies are doing an exceptional job of that in the last two, three years. You you know, you look at Minwoo, what he's been doing. Um, He's inside the top 50 on the race to Dubai. Hmm. Um, And and a lot of that has actually been afforded to him by his management company because he's with IMG and they run a lot of events around the world. So um, he and Lucas Herbert, in that regard, got the opportunities, but it's one thing to get them and then to press on. Um, I wonder what this is going to bring about for Zach. Mm. Hopefully he can kind of just keep it, keep it all rolling. Well, the concept of karma uh, wasn't, uh, di- didn't elude him on the way through and uh, we were lucky enough to catch up with him during the week on SEN and this is what he had to say. I really only thought about it when I saw your tweet last night, to be fair. Is that true? I sort of, yeah, I... Yeah, I, and then I just sort of took a bit of a moment and thought, yeah, it's probably probably pretty accurate. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I sort of just sort of thinking about it just now. It's um, yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool story, and it's um, probably a bit of bit of a message out there um, to sort of all the golf listeners and, and sport listeners as well. I mean, if you respect the game for what it is. Um, you know, it, uh, as you said, the coma bus does roll around and, and good things do happen eventually. So all credit to Lucas. Uh, so all credit to Zach Murray and onward and upward for that young man. Um, Tiger Woods has pulled out of the Arnold Palmer with a, a stiff neck, um, which is, you know, uh, disappointing for Tiger and fans of the game. There's some stuff going on around Tiger from a golf TV perspective that you wanted to bring to the table today. And I must admit, in amongst everything that's been going on, I'm unaware as to what you're about to say. So I'm all ears. What What is the story? Uh, well, I think, so golf TV have, have essentially taken ownership of everything to do with Tiger off the golf course. So he signed a deal with Golf TV and they're hang essentially... On, on. Everything off the golf course. Well, maybe not everything. Right. Because uh, I'm, I'm subscribing if that's yeah. the case. If you haven't looked on social media under Golf TV and seen the stuff with Tiger, you are genuinely missing out. We've learnt more about Tiger, in my opinion, in the last three months than we did in the previous 10 years. Like what sort of stuff? Um, his warm-up kind of, all of his warm-up stuff, what kind of food he's into, what he's like as a bloke, yep. because they've hired um, a woman, a young woman who I played on the LET with, um, Henny Zuell, who was with Sky Sports. Now, one of Henny's strengths is banter. And she was <laughs> with Sky and she was great for them, yep. but she was a little bit, I, I, I didn't realise until I saw what she's been doing with Tiger that she was kind of a little hamstrung because they're not conservative, but they do kind of golf the traditional way in a lot of ways. Um, now she's 
kind of got the shackles off in a way and she is just running free and they have such incredible chemistry between Tiger and Henny wow. that they sit in the locker room and just have a chat for three minutes and you feel like you're a, a fly on the wall. Mm. It's super cool. And is it is it a tone, is it more a tone around Tiger? Because we've seen him a lot. You know, we've heard him speak a lot and we've watched his life pretty much unfold before our very eyes. But is there a tone about the way that he's conversing and the body language and what he's doing that is the freshness of this? Is this what that's all about? I think, I don't think they could have found anyone better for the job than Henny to bring this out of him. They quite clearly get along very well and he feels comfortable with her to to talk about almost anything. But I guess that was kind of the MO from Golf TV is we want access to Tiger the way that the people around him know him and they're giving it. To the people. So it, pardon my ignorance when it comes to this. Is this a subscription thing? You pay for this access? Um, in terms of how it relates to Australians, I've actually been watching most of it through social media. They post okay, a lot I, of the I, interviews. Okay, yep, yep. Um, I haven't subscribed myself, but they're trying to get access to almost every tour in the world in so the this next is five what, years. So this is what the, w, the most recent WGC event came in back into Australia on. This is the same the same platform. Yes. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. So it is a subscription-based thing. I wonder if this would be the cynic in me emerges immediately, as interesting as it sounds. Tiger's clearly got some sort of stake in this. He's not doing this for nothing. So, oh, no, he's on contract, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something that has been – I think it was announced mid, almost mid-last year that mm. he was going to be doing it. But I don't think anyone thought it was going to be like this. Mm. And, Great, and that's good. the real victory, yeah. in my opinion, that um, everyone wants to see Tiger back and they're getting him tenfold through this. That's through fantastic. This right. Uh, well, I look forward to um, accessing the stuff <laughs> that I've been... i some stuff. I can't believe I've been missing it. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happened to me. Um, the, well, before we get too far away from the PGA Tour, um, two things. Pretty remarkable performance. I mean, f- golf form, this is why if you... Not whether we're encouraging anyone to gamble or bet... But if you punt on golf, uh, it is about the most difficult sport I reckon to find a winner. If anybody could have looked at the form line leading into the Honda and come to the conclusion that Keith Mitchell was a good bet uh, in that field, well, good luck to you because I don't know how he could possibly say <laughs> it. His form line leading in was abysmal. Um, he makes a fantastic putt on the last to win that snaking kind of left to right putt, which went in, broke really hard at the hole. Like it was a fantastic putt to win. But it literally came from nowhere. I think he's actually, and and forgive me if I'm wrong, because I'm quoting something that I saw while I was on a plane, but I think he was actually in the lowest 10 on strokes gains putting on the PGA Tour, and he actually made that putt at oh. the last under pressure. You know, he's, his putting more gri- was- More grist for the mill. Oh, like, it's how unbelievable. Does, how does it happen? Um, I think that's just golf. It is to just be honest golf. With you. And, and it's one of the reasons why I don't bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> Even knowing golf as intimately as I do- there, like, I just don't see a way to win. Yeah, it's well. Neither did he. I'm sure. No, he could not have gone into that event against the caliber of field that was in, you know, was turning it up that week. And honestly, thought, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good about my game. I'm, he could not have said to anyone with a straight face, "I'm feeling good about my game, and I reckon I'm a chance this week." Miscut, miscut, miscut. Sixteen seventy three. I'm not sure what order it was in, but they were his last five starts leading in. So maybe he took some great solace out of the sixteenth place finish, <laughs> wherever that wherever that was. That but, was, I think, about six weeks earlier. Well, there or you go. So yeah. a bunch of miscuts and a seventy third leading in. I mean, that's not the form line to encourage anything. And, 
just to further add to the great uncertainty of this game, which is one of the things that we love the most about it, is the fact that with about seven or eight holes to go, there was a real possibility that VJ Singh was going to win this event. <laughs> which is unbelievable. It's, Al, it's unbelievable. The man's 56. Now, we know he's got this you know, legendary work ethic, and I'm sure he grinds away now as hard on his game you know, as he probably ever has. But... Um, you know, for him to be in the mix at that age, and I know Jack Nicholas was in the commentary booth um, while it was happening, and Jack's head was kind of spinning at the prospect that, you know, what he did at Augusta at 46, this is not quite the same, but at 56, VJ was seriously contending, you know, with these fine, fine younger players. It's a remarkable performance. It, it is unbelievable. I think he ended up in sixth place yep. in the end, but uh, he. He's it, what I the question I want to know is all right. So as as a sports person, you start your career with that kind of work ethic. Now we're talking about hundreds of balls a day. Mm. Like this is not the normal. Like if everyone else did this, I, I think they'd be fallen over by the end of the week. He works out incredibly hard. Even now, I've seen some of his workouts recently, and he is throwing like weights around a room. It is in high intensity. It's <laughs> not like it's not an old man's workout. I've got to say, but at what point in time do you start, you know, is he listening to his body or is, or has he just conditioned it so well that he's been able to keep this up for what? It must nearly be oh, well, 35 years. Well, it would be that. It would definitely be that. I mean, yeah, there's stories of him wearing our carpet in hotel rooms because he's, you know, just working on, you know, little chip shots is legendary. I mean, um, I know he's got some moments in his career that will probably follow him forever. If people don't like VJ, they'll cite those moments to you. But he is an absolute credit to himself, the fact that he's been able to continue uh, at the level that he's been able to continue competing at. I mean, it's a complete nut. It's, a, it's phenomenal, you know? I've, I found this stat that VJ Singh won 34 times in his first 394 PGA Tour events, so roughly 400. Yeah. Ricky, Sergio, Brooks and Justin Thomas – have won a combined 29 times oh in their god. first essentially 800 events. Oh my god, that's an unbelievable so statistic. We talk about, you know, the the new generation, but it's yeah. pretty, you know, and and VJ was I don't know if it was maybe his demeanor that made him, you know, he was he wasn't known to be one of the most likable guys on tour. I think if you connected All with him, that. you liked him and yep. then if and if you didn't, but I mean, his his legacy, he's still building on it. No doubt. Um there's a thing, there's a little thing that's emerged just again before we get away from America. Justin Thomas has been involved this week in a bit of a blue with the USGA on Twitter, and it's been a bit unseemly at times. Um, Thomas again, not for the first time, probably for about the third or fourth time, abusing one of the new rules. And this week he was having a crack at um, the two-stroke penalty that was applied to Adam Schenk, who had his caddy ridiculously placed behind him in a bunker, clearly helping him line up. I mean, he's not giving him a pep talk in that position. Shanks in the bunker, got his club, not laying in the sand, but laying behind the ball. The caddy's perched on the, you know, the bank of the bunker, you know, with the pin in line with the player. If there's anything else he's doing but helping his player get aligned, you please tell me what else he's doing. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen... I don't know that I've ever seen someone get a line out of a bunker, though. Neither have I. So, What else is he doing? He's, I think he just didn't find a way or, to get out of that lip quick enough. It was crazy I stuff. Mean, it, it's tough because yeah. we've had, you know, we've had a couple of discussions 
about it in golf, surprisingly less on the women's side, which was almost why the rule was brought into play because mm. so many women on the LPGA were um, getting lined up from behind. We have seen zero of this in the last couple of events on yeah. the LPGA. Uh, uh, gone. Backstopping still going, unfortunately. There's <laughs> yeah. another example of that oh, this week. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a we've had a couple of backstopping issues. I can't believe that right. one. I can't remember who the girl was in the bunker, but um, the ball was the ball was sitting. Uh, yeah, with, they are yeah. so good out of traps these days that a ball sitting, um, you know, a foot behind the cup. Um, I don't think she. Could, it was Celine Boudier, I think. Right. Um, I, but I actually don't know that the camera angle made it look like she could see it. Oh, so I she, actually don't know that she could see the ball. Oh well, I, that lip's quite high. Okay, well that changes everything. Yeah, and we had a high camera angle on that hole, so that one. I mean. I guess it's kind of like, what do you do when you're at golf? If you if you can run up and mark it quick enough mark to it. keep, yeah, you mark it. But are you going to tell someone that's, you know, if they're th- if you're 30 yards away, oh, hang on, and then you run up and oh, hustle up and so, slow down play? And I don't he, know. Yeah, here's the question. How close do you need to be? That's, that's the topic of discussion. On the the apron, that around anywhere around the green, and I would consider 30 metres off the front edge or through the back, I would consider that far enough way to to play your shot. But I think if you're on the apron or you're in a greenside bunker, so good are you guys out of traps these days that any ball around the hole is in play. So I would suggest that if all three players or two players, whatever the case may be, are around the green, not 30 metres, not 100 metres, which some people, oh, what do you do if you've got a wedge in your hand if 90 metres out? Well, of course you don't run up and mark that ball. But in these cases, I think I think it's... I do, we do, like at my level, and we're less chance of hitting that ball near the hole. Yeah, and than... less chance of, you know, winning fifty or $60,000 oh, exactly. difference at the end of the week. And I, I'm in complete agreement yeah, with that, I have yeah. to say. Um, but we that's the discussion that's been on tour. So Amy Olsen, Eri Jatanagam, which I know has been covered um, last week in Thailand, has <laughs> been extensively covered. Yes, it has. Um, I, I think what came from that is that was probably the closest we're ever going to see anyone to breaking that rule without it being enforced. So moving on from that, mm. um, what do you what do you do? And the discussion's been, is there a limit? If you're within 10 paces of the green, do you mark? And, well, it, and how do we evolve that rule going forward? Well, it's maybe another rule that Justin Thomas can get upset about <laughs> in the future. And, and so following on from all of that was this series of tweets that went out between he and the USGA about, um, you know, we need to be involved in conversations. It's retrograde. You're sending the game back. It's all too complex. Um, you know, we're here to talk, Justin. We've tried to set up meetings with you in the past, say the USGA. Uh, you don't turn up. That's not right, says Justin Thomas. I've never not turned up to a meeting. Uh, that's been challenged back and forth between the two. And then the next step is that Padraig Harrington comes out and says that, no, 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 players are routinely um, sought for feedback on rule changes, particularly you know, at tour level. And Pat, Padraig Harrington knows several times throughout the course of his career that he's been to meetings where their input has been sought. It seems a bit rich to me if the USGA is right and they have extended the opportunity to Justin Thomas and others come along and be part of this before we alter rules or bring in new ones, then they don't turn up and then they bitch and moan about the new rules that are being, you know, brought into the game saying they're stupid. Well, if you're that invested in it, turn up, turn up, or forever hold your peace. Don't let it all play out when you've got the opportunity to help shape policy um, and then complain about it once the policy's been shaped. Is that a fair enough call or not? I think it's entirely fair, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so Jay Monaghan, you know, the commissioner mm. of um, of the PJ Tour, he actually released a statement to the players today, essentially, a memo, if you will. And, and he said, essentially, it's a collaborative process and the PGA Tour have had a seat at that table for the last seven years. Okay. Um, whether or not that's been a player, whether, you know, who, who that representative has been, it's, it's not really outlined. But essentially, it says the RNA and USGA are industry partners and we've pledged to work together through the introduction of these changes and provide feedback every step of the way. Yeah, of course. Um, but it kind, it kind of goes through it saying, you know, we're actually all in this together yeah. and this is maybe, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but maybe not the, the healthiest way to go about it. Well, Al, two things to this before we move on. Um, as if anyone's going to say no, if Justin Thomas says, I'd really like to come to the next meeting, right? Of course, they're going to say, please, that'd be great. As if Justin Thomas has ever said to the RNA or the USGA or the PGA Tour, hey, when's the next rules meeting on or policy? I'd love to go to that. <laughs> when was the last time Justin Thomas has said, I want to go to that meeting? It's a good question. And like I, never? You know, I don't, I don't really know what the process has been because I'm presuming that there have been opportunities for guys to – you know, to be a part of that discussion. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know what they took. I don't know whether they were direct invitations. I don't know how Podrick got invited or, mm, or whether mm. Heath sought that out. Um, but essentially, the rules are in. There was plenty of time to talk about them in the lead up. Um, now we have them. Is there going to be a teething process? Absolutely. Yep. Is there going to be muscle memory? Absolutely. Like you look at how many people put their ha- arm out at shoulder length for a drop mm. and it is literally muscle memory. Yeah, 100%. Um, there needs to be a bit of latitude. With, there should be a bit of latitude with that in the interim phase, I reckon. That's, I think that's maybe, a, you know, how do you go about that in the interim? Do you do you not penalise them for well, the I, first I, three months? No, of, that, you know, it's, it's I wish tough. I could retract, re- retrace my steps and retract what I just said. No, because but I, think I, what, I, thought, I thought the same, the same thing yeah, though. You yeah. know, how, do, how does that – integration become less of a hard entry? Yeah. I think it's a it's a worthy question and it's probably one without a clear and obvious answer. Um, hey, listen, there's a bit of stuff been going on in uh, Golf Australia made an announcement uh, uh, earlier this week about uh, equal opportunity getting in, in accord with uh, Human Rights Commission guidelines. Why don't we clear a break? bring Hazy into the conversation, who's over in Adelaide for the Queen Syracuse Cup, and we'll spitball what's taken place and just how significant um, it will be in the evolution of golf in Australia. We'll do that. On the other side of this, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, Andy Maher and Ali Whittycutt in the studio. We go to Adelaide, which has very much been the epicentre of women's golf for the last couple of weeks here in Australia and to a large part um, around this region of the world. Certainly this week at Glenelg Golf Club, where um, one of the great men of Australian golf and certainly a key member of the Inside the Ropes team, Mark Hayes, back from his couple of weeks off, um, has jumped on a plane and gone into another part of Australia again to cover golf. Hello, Hazy. Hello, Mario. I feel like I should be applying for residency of South Australia at this rate of... Uh Spent a bit of time here this summer and did a bit of a road trip in the last couple of weeks through through the mighty southeast and Robe and a uh, bit of the wine country. So it's been pretty hard to take. Why have you gone back there? 
Well, I am here at the Glenelg Golf Club speaking to you in in advance of the 41st edition of the Queen Circuit Cup, which is effectively the Asia Pacific Women's Teams Championship. Uh, and I think I'm going to write a story a little later on today, basically saying that some of these names may not be household right now, but give them 10 years and these are the ones that are going to be winning major championships. It's the absolute breeding ground of the next generation of heroes. And uh, while the names don't necessarily mean anything to, to everyone as we speak, these, uh, these very young girls right now will be the champions of tomorrow on the LPGA Tour. So are they from all around the world, Europe, America, Asia? Are they from everywhere or is it just is it a more a regionally based um, tournament? It's a, it's a regionally based tournament. It's, uh, there are 14 countries represented here, um, all from Asia-Pacific region. Um, it's a part of the Asia-Pacific Golf um, Federation program these days. Uh, there's been naturally uh, a push to expand that out over the years. As I said, this is the 41st edition. It started up with only a handful of countries, of which Australia was not one, but it pushed into Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Sri Lanka is the only one that has been in and gone out. But right this year, we have uh, countries competing from Myanmar, uh, India, um, all different places that once were sort of golfing backwaters and are slowly but absolutely surely becoming, uh, you know, not powerhouses yet in those instances, but uh, they're on their way, I Mm. guarantee you. Now, Hazy, I know that every time you rock up to a team's event, there's always one team that everyone has their eyes on, and I think rightly so. It's probably the Korean team, if it's not the Australian team this week. Um, is that kind of the feeling on the ground? Uh, yes and no, Ellie, because you know, it, it's ridiculous to say that Korea may not be the favourite, given that ever since from 2007 to last year, put it this way, there's only been one time that Korea hasn't won, and that was when Minji Lee and Sue Oh were part of that powerful Australian team that, that won uh, in Chinese Taipei in 2013. So Korea's won it every year since 2007, can you believe? But I would say the feeling on the ground here this year is that the team from Japan is the one that has to be beaten. Korea's got a whole new look, which is what they do pretty much every year, every second year. So many young women have turned turned pro. Um, but the Japanese team has got exposed form in Australia and they're really impressive. Uh, they're bringing good form and they're the ones to beat in my eyes. I know that's pretty radical, Ellie, but uh, that's what I'm going to roll with right well, now. Looking at the numbers, Hazy, it's, it's actually, it's not radical because the lowest handicap, as in the worst handicap on that team, is plus 6.2. <laughs> Sorry, so the worst handicap. The worst handicap on that team, yep. So you've got Miyu Goto, who's plus 6.9. Tsubasa Kajitani, yep, plus 6.2. And Yuri Yoshida, who's got quite a couple of um, reps under her belt, uh, at plus 6.6. God. That is. That's golf. So every day, if they were playing to their handicap, they'd be roughly 18 under par. Mm. Okay, so that'll be hard to beat, Hazy. (laughs) Well, I'm not really going out on a limb is what I'm trying to tell you about <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> so we watched, had the really good pleasure of watching um, Mia Goto and Yuri Yoshida, who's just a quality little human. She's very funny and quirky. She's great. And also Sebastian Kajitani, who was, the, I think, the runner-up maybe. Um, at the, she was the runner-up at the recent Australian Amateur Championship. Um, this is, they've been in and out of Australia now for the better part of two or three months, um, competing in different events. Uh, as a Japanese team and sometimes as individuals, basically from the Victorian amateur 
in December, early December, right through Avondale and Australian Amateur, Master of the Amateurs, all these events. And it's all been culminating towards this week here in Adelaide. So um, I expect really big things from Yuri Yoshida. She's just a little jet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and put Korea second pick. But also, Ali, really like Thailand. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to see a Thai Titical here this week. Uh, I know you know a lot about her, but they're packing... Um, a really strong little team. I watched them pick before. It's just they weigh about as much as my left leg, and they <laughs> crack the ball. Um, so I, it's it's quite extraordinary. Um, and I'm not, despite my uh, lessons on inside the ropes from Christina Lance, I'm not really prepared to have a go at some of these names just yet. But um, I will have a crack at <laughs> Chanetti Wanasin, um, who's. Uh, an absolute powerhouse. She's like a, a mini version of uh, Area Tanagan right now. I mean, much, much smaller, but uh, she gives it a frightful walloping. And I know that Thailand, who was the host last year of this event, were pretty dark when they didn't win. They were they were in front the whole way, and Korea ended up pipping them um, to get their, their millionth championship in a row. But I reckon they've got a point to prove. And they're the three countries that I reckon are the standouts here this week. So well, can you talk us through our, who's, who's representing Australia this week? Can you, can you give us a little preview? Oh, I absolutely can. Um, oh, we've got three women here representing Australia who, you, you love this, Annie. They are bursting at the seams with pride of pulling on the green and gold, even though they're probably going to pull on some pretty obscure colours other than green and gold. Um, they're, they're so proud to put the Australian flag on. So it's uh, Doey Choi, who's been, uh, well, was a guest on the show last yep, week. Fantastic. She's just really excelled in, the, in this past summer and probably the last 12 months of her career has been exceptional. Um, the burgeoning talent I would describe of Steph Kiriakou from St. Michael's in Sydney as well. Doey's from Concord. Uh, Steph's been um, making steady progress through the ranks and she's a real quirky little character and she's so determined uh, and this and this the comeback player I suppose I haven't actually seen her play in person for three years I can't believe I just said that but Julian Sue from Victoria uh, is back from college in the US uh, to play and she's pumped they're all really pumped to pull on the uh, the green and gold as I say and get out here will they win um, they're up against it just based on uh, the talent that comes from Southeast Asia these days but they're going to give it a red-hot crack, I guarantee you that. Well, we'll look forward to it. Um, it's obviously, uh, you know, a, a keenly uh, sought-after trophy. You mentioned that it's um, the, the girls' version of the, you know, sort of in a, in a respect, the girls' version of the Asia-Pacific Championship that has become such a staple in this region for the boys. And you mentioned clearly, Hazy, that it's a team's event. Are there any trappings from an individual perspective that will find themselves, you know, to the individual winner? Is there an individual winner crowned at the end of this? There is an individual winner, but it's very secondary. Um, they do get little prizes, but it doesn't come with a, you know, a ticket to a major championship anywhere okay. or anything like that. So it's very much focused on the team aspect of it. That was uh, how it was formed uh, back in 1979, just as a, uh, it, was, it started off as a, a sort of a method of goodwill among the golfing nations of the of the region, um, and it's developed a lot since then, obviously. But the focus then was on teams, and it still is. Um, there is a slight prize, but only only really in terms of it's more bragging rights than anything. Yeah, but I will right. just I will just let you know, Andy, that the the it's a pretty fair combination of people who have actually done reasonably well. As I flip through the my records here, um, 
Attire Titical, who I mean, Alex had talked to you probably at length about Attire. She won last year. Her Jin Choi won the year before. She's in the world's top 12 or 15 players right now. A young girl called Hyung Kyung Park <sighs> was the winner in 2015 and 2016. And going back a couple of additions to that, uh, Hana Jang, uh, So Yon Yu, uh, and, a, and a young lady called Yani Seng won for Chinese Taipei last time it was in Australia. Uh, actually, I'll tell a lie. It's 2005 she won it. But this, it's just the who's who. We've already had you know, a series of world number ones come through this in the past 15 years, and that's the quality of talent we've got on show at Glenelg. Just before we let you go, we're looking forward to that enormously. Um, we had the Golf Australia CEO, Stephen Pitt, um, on uh, SEN Radio on Tuesday afternoon after Golf Australia had announced that it was um, falling in line with Human Rights Commission guidelines in terms of opening up uh, golf courses to uh, the opportunity to play equal times, uh, equal genders, uh, which is something that the Human Rights Commission has been expressly aiming to have a standard operating procedure for the last 35 years. Before I get the thoughts of you two on that and how significant a step it is to, you know, Vision 2025, uh, here's a bit of what Stephen Pitt had to say uh, earlier in the week. Uh, we announced today that uh, we're releasing the guidelines for equal opportunity for women and girls in golf, and we did that in partnership with the Australian Human Rights Commission, mm-hmm. which is uh, a partnership we've really enjoyed. It's something we reached out to them. It wasn't the, the commission coming over and saying golf's got a you know hitting us over the head it was it was us reaching out to the commission saying you know we'd like to provide our clubs with some guidance in this area um, and some support uh, and we did it in partnership so I think it's terrific we do get a number of clubs asking for guidance in this area Uh, this is not about us you know beating up clubs as well it's about providing some assistance to help clubs as they move through this area i'm sure it's multifaceted and there's probably several layers to all of it but one of my understandings as i've kind of read it is that on a saturday which has been you know predominantly and almost exclusively at most courses forever men only and women of course have their women only time slots and they have their women only days is it is that a thing – in a perfect world, that's going to be a thing of the past? I think it will evaporate. There's always – under the, the legislation, there's room for uh, special exemptions and, and Women's Days probably meets that um, conditions for a lot of clubs because it's about growing the game and growing the numbers of women and girls in the game. But I think as we progress um, – timesheets will become more gender neutral. I, I see that happening. I've seen it happen with a number of clubs that were probably really male-dominated if you go back 10, 15 years ago. We've seen a lot of clubs make transitions and it's almost a feeling of, well, actually, that was really painless and yeah. and worlds... And actually good. Yeah, yeah. Actually um, good. And as a sport, we can't afford to offer a lousy product to half the population. You know, and if you look back historically where golf was back in the 70s, you know, 34% of our membership was female. Mm. And we saw through the 70s, 80s and 90s, golf really exploded in this country. But the growth was almost 100% exclusively male rather than female. And a lot of that was at that time women were going back into the workforce and, and mm. they weren't able to play golf effectively on Saturdays and very difficult on weekends. So the product just wasn't right for a large chunk of the population. What do you say to clubs who might be, and I'm not sure whether there are any, who are signalling you know, their intention to be resistant to this? What do you say to clubs who might be in that position? 
this is a document that is there for their support and their guidance, uh, and that's how it was established. It wasn't established to, you know, to, to browbeat them or uh, or anything like that. It was there for their guidance. Um, what we've seen is clubs that are adapting and becoming more flexible, more enlightened, if you like, in this mm. area are going really well, um, and I think that trend will continue. So. Um, I think, look, we remain pretty optimistic about this area that clubs will see the need to, to make sure certainly they're meeting the, the requirements um, outlined in, in the guidelines, but also looking at ways that they can develop their, their businesses and make sure they're an ongoing financially viable organisation and club into the future. So to you two, how significant is this? It feels like we're catching up um, on something that, you know, probably should have been in inverted commas, playable um, some time ago? I think it's just, for me, it's it's getting past the mental barriers. I, I grew up playing the Sandbelt courses um, and Saturday was just never really an option in my membership category. And and in all fairness, at my golf club at Vic, it, it wasn't so much about men and women and, and they're probably one of the better clubs at doing that, um, but it was more about what category I was associated yeah. with yeah. Um, yeah. at that club. But, yeah, it... it would have meant that I could play both days on the weekend <laughs> as, as a kid growing up. Which is when you've probably got time to play. Exactly. You know, when people have got time to play. Hazy, what, what, how significant do you think it is? Well, Andy, my thoughts are well documented on this in not only online, but in, on in previous editions of Inside the Robes, to the point that I think common sense is the most, you know, horrendously mispronounced term or misused term in the world of golf or in the world generally. Yeah. This finally is common sense this is this is not like a landmark um you know moment in sport for any other reason than um it's just been so overdue that's the only reason it Mm. is this is common sense of that we should have been reaching a long time ago and anyone i'll be fairly militant about this anyone who disagrees with what's happened today you need to think about the future of the sport, not about your own club and your own little um, empire. Mm. So some some empires are uh, ill-founded and anyone who tries to keep women and girls and people from other um, backgrounds to their own away from their little empires is missing the point entirely and jeopardising the sport's future. I guess there's one thing that we should we should all acknowledge about golf and we've... we've been pretty poor at doing it is it it is one of the only sports that you can play against anyone Murray you you can go and play against Lydia Ko tomorrow and it can be fair yep where there's so few sports where you can go and actually have a chance to play against the best in the world and this fully takes advantage of that absolutely right I I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more I was explaining uh this whole thing to my mother over dinner last night for her birthday and I said I said you could actually beat Tiger Woods in a Stalford comp mum and that's that's golf is the only sport where that happens so we should be in a position to celebrate that, and this finally pushes us in the right direction. Here, here. Uh, and there'll be clubs all over Australia who will be embracing it, I'm certain. Uh, a final word on the host golf club of the Queen Syracuse, Hazy, Glenelg Golf Club. We, we, we probably um, don't give Glenelg the it's just desserts when we talk about the premier golf courses in South Australia. It's often a bit of an afterthought when we talk about golf over there. We sort of focus on the big three. Um, How's it turned itself out for, for this event? Glenelg's the unfortunate sort of um, 
it, it's not in the Australian Women's Australian Open rotor, only by virtue of the fact that it's logistically tough to hold a tournament that size here. Otherwise, we would be very much uh, in our element at Glenelg. It's absolutely magnificent. This course is just a green oasis in a very dry, dry land around it, but it is in breathtakingly beautiful condition. And all those of Glenelg here have been very uh, proactive about this tournament. So big shout out to the crew here. It's a tournament uh, that you know doesn't get the, the publicity that it deserves, but they're going to get, do it really a, a great service by the way they've turned the course out this week. And Andy, I better go because you're about to get drowned out by 14 separate national anthems. And of course, <laughs> the women's spirit there's a special song for the Queen's Hurricane Cup. This is, I can't wait to hear it in a couple of minutes. Time. Well, I look forward to you singing it for us when you get back next week, mate. We'll look forward to the <laughs> special Mark Hayes rendition of that uh, when we next sit down and meet for Inside the Ropes. Thanks for uh, filling us in and setting the scene, mate. Uh, go and enjoy it all, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Murray. Come Thanks, on, Aussies. Good idea. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> Mark Hayes joining us from Glenelg Queen Syracuse Cup uh, about to kick off. We'll get our last break out of the way, come back, tidy it up, and the say Gulf goodbye. Australia the website is. is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows? Maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today, the home of Australian golf. Well, that's just about it for Inside the Ropes. Uh, Great to have you with us again. Make sure that uh, you subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we haven't done a little please shout out to people. If you are a subscriber and you're a regular listener, leave us a little review. And as Hazy always likes doing, Al, uh, if it's a five-star rating that you give us, Hazy will get a print out of that. Greg Oakford will help him out and we'll probably (laughs) read it out because that's what we do on this show. You know what? And you know what? The more feedback, the better, really. I mean, we want to keep evolving at this show as well. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Good luck with the pooch. I hope everything's good and positive. Fingers crossed. Indeed. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week in golf, folks. We'll be back to do it all again next week. Thanks for listening.